Hello. <clears throat> Test. <laughs> Test one, two. May second. May second, twenty twenty one. Sunday morning, ten fifteen. Sunday morning coming down off a of Benzedrine. Um, let's see. I know I said I was going to po- podcast again, and I. I haven't podcast all week, so I'm doing it now, I guess, to start the week fresh. Perhaps I'll do some more in the week. I don't know. I doubt it. This is fun, though, just to sort of do a wrap-up or thoughts and uh, whatever. Uh, What's happened? What has happened over the past week or whatever? Not much. How are you? I hope all is well. I am camped out in a parking lot, my Weight Watchers parking lot, where the Weight Watchers and the T-Mobile are. Uh, It is post-workout. I've done my two miles. I'm staring outward from a parking slot towards the Weight Watchers studio where I would usually go for my once-a-week Weight Watchers meeting which is now done online. I think that we're headed back into the studios somewhat soon, probably within the month. Probably by June 1st, my guess would be. That's very exciting. To my left, I can see where my old Heidi's Frogen Yozert used to be, which is where I worked for, off and on, I worked there for uh, six years, roughly, uh, when I was a kid, starting when I was... Uh, 18, just out of high school. God bless the Akampora family for keeping that aloft. And I left when I was about 24. Uh, I had uh, finished college. I had come home. And they were still around. And they put me back to work if I because I needed work. And... They were wonderful. The family who owned that were just wonderful. They were just so nice. Decent folk. And they kept that place running for a long time. All throughout the 80s. When the yogurt craze was going bananas. They kept it rolling. It was impressive. And it finally dumped out. Like a couple years after I left. Um, I was working there. And... What happened? They, I, I said, I want to do show business <laughs> or something, you know, because this isn't this isn't where the action is, you know. I mean, I'm in the North Valley, which is thirty minutes north of the action, I guess you could call it. And so I was like, I gotta start looking for a place, because that's true. I had to fucking move out my parents were driving me insane and obviously I was 24 and living at home and um, I don't know what I did I I said uh, all right fuck it and I either quit first or 
or I went looking for pizza work in Hollywood. I think that's what I did. I think I quit later. (laughs) That's stupid. I'm out of here. 24 years young, baby. I'm out of here. And I gathered up. I asked my grandma for a loan. She loaned me like a thousand bucks. $1,200, I think it was. And I moved out to Gardner and Sunset, which is, if you know anything about Hollywood, um, particularly Hollywood in the 90s, uh, that was just a rank shithole of an area. It was on the tip. Technically, it was West Hollywood, but it was on the tip of the cool part of West Hollywood. So I was not in a safe area at all. Parking was horrible. I got my car towed once. I got like several parking tickets. I probably racked up a good five hundred, six hundred, maybe a thousand dollars in fines, plus a tow. I found a, a, a room in a in a in a in a home that had been converted. There's a bunch of old houses all over Hollywood that are converts, right? So there's a homeowner who does not live there. And they have a landlord, and then that landlord rents out, divvies up all the rooms and rents them. And I think that practice is still going on. And I had one of the upper up rooms in the guest house on a street in Gardner. And I lived with seven of the most psychotic human beings you could ever meet. And I had said, fuck it to Heidi's, and I found work uh, driving night shift delivery pizzas at Damiano's Pizza Kitchen, which was across the street from the kibitz room. And when I wasn't doing shifts, I was at the kibitz room trying to break in as a percussionist and as a drummer. And it was at the kibitz room where I met the lovely Sharon Groom. And I also met and played with the world famous R.J. Parnell, better known as Mick Shrimpton of Spinal Tap. And his name's Rick, Rick Parnell. And Rick was one of the greatest fucking players I ever saw. And I ever got to play with, actually. Great players don't like to play with other drummers and percussionists unless they really are vetted. And he let me play with him. And he brought my game up phenomenally phenomenally well. And he was just fantastic. I couldn't believe the shit that he did. And he was broke. He was just fucking broke. And he's doing all right, though. He's... He's better now, and he still gigs. He's up in uh, Montana or Idaho, Missoula, whatever Missoula. <sighs> so that was that, and nothing happened with me. I mean, I just would journey from place to place, and then. Um, and do music or do comedy. I I hadn't really gotten my rhythm as a stand-up yet. I had done stand-up by then, but I hadn't really done it um uh, uh what do you call it? Daily, I guess you'd call it or weekly, I don't know, full-time. I don't know what you call that. Um but I had, I was definitely breaking in as a as a performer of note of of, of stuff. Early on, I was a regular at Highland Grounds, which was a, a pretty famous open mic for years and years. And two girls ran it, and I was in love with both of them. 
Bridget and Jessica. Oh, they were delicious women. And they thought I was funny. And, uh... I moved around Hollywood. I, uh, from Gardner, I went over to Wilton, which is Wilton in Hollywood, which is about 10 minutes north of where I was. Just as bad of a neighborhood. Same kind of concept with the house that was broken up. By then, it was 1996. Um, that's where I met the noodle, Carrie Newman. And Jerry and Beth were still in the mix. And Ernie was still in the mix. And uh, I helped record a Geffen, a Geffen release called The Sounds of Solid by Sugartooth with Mark Hudner uh, when I was living there. And they didn't pay me or anything like that. I just showed up and helped Mark record his vocal because he was having trouble. And his guitars, I was there for both of those. And they treated me horribly, and then they threw me out, and that was that. And uh, I had a nervous breakdown in... At both places I had, I guess you would call them breaks from reality. I don't know how else to describe them. At Gardner I had one, I had a couple. And at Wilton I had definitely one major one, I probably had others. I definitely had one major one. And it's a nervous breakdown brought on by too much weed, and uh, you... Are, you become disoriented and obviously in a panic, but the panic is functional, so you're able to move around and able to think almost logically, but you understand that you're not attached to the planet or something, and it, it, it keeps you into a falling panic state, even though you're fine and you're functional. And when it hit... Uh, at Wilton um, I didn't know what to do I'll never forget this I'm panicking I'm high on weed um, I'm hallucinating I'm hallucinating not visually but I'm hallucinating uh, audibly I guess with my mind and I am seeing certain things that aren't there and so it, my my instinct is well let's go for a let's go out let's leave let's leave this location because I didn't feel safe there anyways and I realized that that's what you do when you're in a panic mode or something like that you need to get to safety be it mental or physical so I got in my car which was a at the time I was driving a 1983 Honda Civic station wagon that I had inherited from my uh, parents and. It was shaky. It was on its last bolt, so it wasn't running well. And it would it would actually last another couple of years, um, but it, it died horribly. Just the electrical seized. And it was having those issues when I was driving it that night. And I just started driving, and I was in no condition to drive. But I was completely functional, and I drove perfectly. And I drove uh, down the 105, I believe, into, I think, Compton or uh, that area. And I realized, oh, if the car dies right now, I'll, I'll die. Uh, the car will, will be pulled over and I'll either get arrested and, and harassed by police and thrown in jail because I won't be able to function in front of them. Or I'll be killed by the element 
the the whoever's lingering around, you know, because it's it was a horrible neighborhood at the time, and uh, so that sobered me up, and uh, I was able to drive back home, park the car, and get back inside. I couldn't tell you what I thought about or what kind of. Uh, I don't know. It's not like it was done. Juan DeMarco or Don Quixote with Carlos Castaneda. I didn't see uh, rabbits or anything like that or nothing. It was just how to get myself out of a panic. That's all it was. And the answer, at least back then, was you need to become functional. You need to be extremely functional in the next five seconds. You need to uh, uh, take control of the, the controls of this airplane. Otherwise, you're going to crash into the ground. And if you don't, you'll die. That's it. That's all it was. Put that level of responsibility on top of me in that moment, and I sobered up completely. That's one way to handle that, I guess. (laughs) It didn't make for a good story or anything like that, but that's what it was. I realized soon afterwards that particularly THC and marijuana were not the drugs for me, so I stopped but about a year later, actually, I I was done with all of that and back at home. And I've gone in and out of living on the street, on the streets, or living in my home, the home that I grew up in, and then living in apartments or houses all over the valley and the city. I've tried to move out seven times, eight times, including college. I don't know, I've lost count. And, um,. I've been back at home in the house that I grew up in since 2008, late 2008. Um, Each time that I moved out, uh, wherever I was living, I had an incident, some type of incident where I was struck down or dysfunctional to the point where I couldn't move or leave, couldn't leave the home, uh, couldn't function, couldn't work. Any, Any of those moments were occurring. And it got so bad that I, uh, I I ran through money and got into credit debt and couldn't function and had to go home. Uh, broke or in debt, and I remained that way until recently. I finally didn't get out of debt until, what, three, four years ago. I finally paid off all debts. And um, um, I haven't had too many attacks in terms of panic or manic behavior. It comes from uh, a need to feel safe, uh, an, an inability to stay functional within a work environment because of panic or because of misery. Um, it's genetic, I think, in terms of its uh, disposition uh, physically. Like, So I think there's something going on in my brain chemistry. It's not quite bipolar, but it is something uh, that affects mental stability and uh, functionality. I was talking to a friend of mine who was having similar issues the other day. 
and he he didn't bug out at work but he he ran into the same roadblock where he just couldn't continue he couldn't function couldn't get out of bed essentially and uh, i can relate i was like that i just couldn't get out of bed and my father was like that he couldn't get out of bed and uh he would take breaks from work from time to time where he would just sit on his bed for months at a time and i would uh, nurse him every time uh, yeah and that was a part of his bipolar condition he would be very up 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 and then down 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 uh it came out afterwards or that there was there was issue going on with his i think with his marriage that was fueling uh, these episodes so it was definitely normal based in terms of event it wasn't random it was ha- it was occurring because something had occurred in real life something awful or whatever who knows what he didn't tell anyone my guess is he was having affairs with women and he got caught and it triggered um issue So, here I am, back where it all started. I sure wish that Heidi's were still open, and I sure wish I was still working there. Standing behind the counter, dreaming about, man, I need to get out and be where the action is. (laughs) I, I, I believe that all roads lead home whatever that road is for you. I don't know. That's how I say it. I may not end up here in Northridge, or if I do, I do. I, I, I've i learned to not fight fate. I can remember being 10 years, 10 years old thinking, I wonder where I'll be when I'm 20. And then, like, cut to me at 20, like, in the exact same place. Like, wah, wah. So, I have no idea what is in store for me. It's not fun because I don't trust my mind completely. What's to stop my mind from at some point in the time-space continuum saying, I don't want to do this anymore. It's happened on the job. I I can't do this, Craig. I I can't do this anymore. This is horrible. It's a horrible job. I work for horrible people. They're doing horrible things, and I can't be a part of it. I don't want to be a part of it. This is horrible. This is terrible. And I don't have the strength to look for a new job, so just quit. I would do that. That's what happened. It's happened It's happened more than once. I've learned through mindfulness meditation to just stay in the moment because that's all it is. It's just air and moments and panic brought on by bullshit and you will get through it and then make a rational decision concerning your, your plight. It's not easy though. When you are in the throes of panic or anxiety or bad brain chemistry, it is very real. Every day I have an incident. Every day I have a moment. There's just tiny little moments where I'm like, I can't function. And then two seconds later, oh, I'm good. This morning I was in a pretty dark place because I had had horrible dreams. I had a dream about nuclear holocaust. I had a dream in which a nuclear bomb was set off in the distance. And all I could do was see how the light of the bomb turning night into day. 
I woke up and I was not in a good place. And I said, well, what do you got to do to get into a good place? So I went exercising and that's what I did. Now I'm better and I'm able to talk about it. So I didn't have that muscle memory and skill 10 years ago or even five years ago. Every day, every day of my goddamn life is a goddamn battle. And I wish that weren't the case, but it's the truth. There you go. Ooh, I think I'll get an LA Fitness Pass because they're coming back strong. Am I right, people? Today I have a 12 o'clock open mic at the Hollywood Cafe, Fourth Wall. I'll let you know how it goes. You've been listening to the 459 with your host, Craig Spivak. Ciao!